ยินดีต้อนรับสู่สะพานผ่านเทคเกตของพระเจ้า Welcome to Bridges for Mission. Well, hello everyone. Bridges for Mission is here. And I am Reverend Sandra Dorsonville, one of the co-hosts with uh, Minister Nicole Cox. Hello, everybody. And we are so delighted that you have joined us, wherever you are—morning, afternoon, evening. Uh, again, thank you, thank you, thank you to the over 2,500 followers that Bridges for Mission has. How exciting it is! Um, you are journeying with us from Zimbabwe, Tanzania, Hungary, Serbia. Um, Panama um, and many countries in Asia. So we are really grateful um, that you are followers. And as you know, season six, we bring voices of volunteers, whether they have um, gone on a short-term mission trip or thinking about it, or really have never done it at all, um, and not sure if they're hearing that call or not. So today we are blessed to have a couple. Yes, listeners. So, sit tight. Come to the roundtable, and we have Pastor Paula Alexander and Deacon Harrelton Alexander. Yes, they are a couple, and um, the lady is the pastor. So I know she will have. Um, they both will have beautiful, beautiful things to share with everyone. So let us get started, and I turn it to Minister Nicole for the first question. Thank you, Reverend Sandra. As always, we love to start our podcast out with asking the question: Who are the Alexanders um, individually, of course, and then also as a couple? So, who are the Alexanders? So we are, uh, as I like to say, sinners saved by grace that have been committed to serving God and His people as a couple. Uh, for more than 36 years, uh, 36 years being the amount of years that we have been married, um, <clears throat> we are co-laborers and have served in many roles over those past 36 years. Uh, we are a husband and wife. We're parents, uh, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, uh, and grandparents to uh, three uh, awesome grandchildren. Um, as individuals, um, I am an ordained deacon. Uh, I was ordained May 18th, 1986, which happens to be the same year that we got married. Uh, and we have labored in several churches over the, over the years. Um, I am now uh, retired uh, from 48 years of corporate life, uh, starting that journey in operations and finishing it in sales and marketing. Uh, over the course of that career, I navigated and survived four acquisitions of the organization that I was a part of, uh, and <clears throat> also achieving over that um, over that time period uh, uh, such positions as vice president of operations, division manager, uh, and finishing as director of sales and marketing for a large uh, public corporation, uh, Curtis Wright, uh, which is a uh, approximately two and a half billion dollar year corporation. Um, we've also been involved uh, in the setting of strategic planning and acquisitions and things of that nature in the corporate life. 
Uh, I am now serving uh, on the, I've had, I've had uh, leadership roles in the diaconate. Over the course of those 36 years, uh, uh, we, uh, because of our careers, uh, we did uh, in fact have to relocate a couple of times. And so uh, we served in three, we've served in three different churches. Uh, two of those churches I have actually served uh, as chairman of the diaconate. I also had a role as chairman of the trustee board. Currently I'm on the diaconate board at uh, Bethlehem Baptist Community Church where Paula serves as pastor. Uh, and I'm also serving on the uh, extravagant generosity uh, practice. Uh, and <clears throat> so as a couple, we've done uh, training uh, over the course of those 36 years. Uh, we've done diaconate training. We've done lay training, ministry uh, training, um, leadership uh, type training. Uh, and so we've been in ministry uh, together uh, for the last 36 years plus. And I don't know if uh, Paula wants to elaborate it a little bit or not. But. <laughs> I think Carlton has said quite a bit. And so I uh, am the pastor of the Bethlehem Baptist Church. And before that, um, I was the um, executive director of Center for Advancement. That's uh, our own company where we were working with uh, children that were difficult, uh, that were in the um, human services in Connecticut. Um, before that, I was acting executive director of the Council of Churches for Greater Springfield. And, and then uh, for my corporate life, I was the director of global functions. When I left Eastman Kodak Company, I had been in human resources um, for 36 years for Eastman Kodak Company. And so um, we come with a corporate background and also with uh, background in working in a few different uh, vineyards <laughs> in, the, in, in different states for God, yeah. Amen, amen. What a rich, rich background, secular and ministry background. Thank you for sharing all of who the Alexanders are. I think we could do just a, an episode just on that. Um, the marrying of both and how God uses both settings and has used both settings um, for kingdom building. So thank you for sharing that. And I would say, I would add then um, as a follow-up question to Minister Nicole's question is, how did you get involved in missions? How, you know, um, God calls us in so many ways and so many paths. And like you said, Pastor Paula, in so many vineyards, but you know, mission, yeah. being, being sent. Um, I think, yeah, I, I, if I could just go, I think uh, it was because of my father. Uh, my father, I grew up in the Philadelphia area, and my father always said that you're either part of the problem or part of the solution. And so he always had me involved in service organizations. You know, I used to have to go to uh, Slayton Farms and Glen Mills, uh, which were, um, you know, like reformed schools, we used to call them then to uh, work with teenagers and stuff like that. My father put me on the bus when I was a teenager to go to the March on Washington uh, by myself. I might add. <laughs> uh, with, uh, with a busload of people that I did not know. And so uh, my father always had me very much involved. And so when I when came to the Massachusetts area, I became co, um, 
chair of the missions department for um, uh, St. John's Baptist Church in Woburn, Massachusetts. And there we actually worked with those same kinds of uh, locked facilities for the state of Massachusetts, you know, uh, making sure that people that were in those facilities had things that they needed. We actually did work with the um, historically black uh, colleges, micro colleges, where we would make sure we did funding. And we were also building a school in Zaire. And so uh, that's uh, where some of our church members, I think about 20 of them, ended up with Mobutu uh, touring Zaire. I wasn't one of them. I was too scared of snakes. But, um, you know. I hear you there. I know I need to interest. I hear you there. There are some, there are some animals in God's kingdom that it's like mm, we do not cross paths together. <laughs> and so, because I I was afraid of snakes, you know, uh, I was I was very jealous because they called us from the yachts in the Mercedes. Uh, limousines and they didn't go anywhere in the bush country where we were uh, were doing the ministry because they were with the president of the um, the nation and so they were doing you know the my, the diamond mines the you know all these great things and so I missed out on all that but uh, so I've been doing uh, missions you know most of my life because of the influence I would say of my father saying you're either part of the problem or part of the solution. Wonderful. Wow. What a beautiful mentoring and just really kind of pushing you in the deep waters and seeing how, how you float, how you respond and all that. And uh, wow. Um, and for you, Brother Harrelton, uh, Deacon Harrelton. So from, from my vantage point, I was uh, pretty much involved really on the periphery more from a, a, a supportive role as, it, uh, as Paula uh, was actively engaged as she's just uh, shared with you the many activities that she was involved in. Uh, so I, I played really a supportive role as it relates to that. Uh, for me, really, um, my interest started to really uh, uh, increase um, when Paula made a trip to Amsterdam a few years ago. Uh, with, actually with you, Sister Sandra. Uh, and, um, and, and, and while she was there, uh, the few times that we had occasion to talk, she was sharing with me uh, what she was experiencing. And then once she returned, also continued to share, not only with me, but with our church and a few other churches, the experience that she had gleaned uh, from that trip. And, and, and then um, I uh, <clears throat> retired uh, in 2020. And uh, you all talked about doing, because of COVID uh, and the restrictions, uh, travel restrictions, you talked about doing a trip to Israel, doing virtual tours. Uh, and it was really during those virtual tours that my uh, interest really started to increase. Now, I would say also augmented by that was uh, the fact that my mother, who was an evangelist, uh, also um, did several mission trips, uh, and, and when I was a child growing up, uh, she spent a lot of time in the convalescent homes visiting the sick and ministering to the sick, and so that's where my seeds were planted, and also, as I said, where 
my interest is peaked. Uh, and really it's peaked because of uh, uh, what I saw on the virtual tours. We toured three different countries. Uh, uh, and each one of them was unique in and, in and of itself. And uh, because of that uniqueness, um, it just got my interest going. So, and, that, and the other part of it was uh, uh, wanting to, to go to Israel, uh, really to, to walk in the places where Jesus walked. It's just part of my growth as, as a Christian on an individual level. Thank you. That is so wonderful. Thank you for sharing how you're making the connections. I think I want to push it a little bit more and say, because we often hear in our communities, um, and more so I would say in our um, uh, Black churches and immigrant churches, that the need is local. Um, so why should we go global? Um, and you have, in what you've shared beautifully, spoken of the connections of the local and global, but if you can really expand on that and, uh, and share more how the local needs can be that lifeline to the global needs or vice versa. And seeing that it may be, we have countries limited by borders and the need to, en to enter a country with a passport, but what about those ministry needs um, that can connect locally and globally? I, I would say that for me, um, the Bethlehem Baptist Community Church is in the city of Holyoke. And I don't know, um, I have been told that Holyoke is the largest Puerto Rican population, settled population in the United States. And so the uh, majority of people in, this, in the city we are, are, uh, are Puerto Rican. And our church, which is an African American church, is located in the Puerto Rican community. And so uh, we started a soup kitchen and uh, one of the neighbors that lives directly across the street came in and said, you know, I lived here for 33 years, but I never thought I could come to this church. And so that was like one of the most powerful things that, you know, are we so isolated even in our communities? Not even, I'm not even talking about around the world, but are we isolated in our communities that we still don't have the, the uh, wherewithal are to, to minister to the people that are across the street from us? And so um, it, it really broadened, it made me, recognized that I needed to know more about that community one, but that uh, I learned in theological school that um, when we talk about liberation theology that um, God is in every culture and the way we see Jesus is from a Western culture experience. And so my goal has been to see Jesus from a broader country uh, culture. We're in a food desert. Uh, if you looked at our needs assessment of our community, we are in the heart of the city where there are um, all kinds of issues around drugs, uh, food, uh, uh, young people not completing school, you know, all those things. And so uh, we see a need to not only um, do and, and empower 
that community in, in a way that is Christ-like, as well as see Jesus in a broader perspective. It's only been, um, I was thinking about what Harleton said, and it by going even on the virtual tours, we have been able to see um, how God works in every community in different ways and, and really have learned so much of what they're doing that we can bring back to our community. And so I think that it's been uh, uh, powerful to be able to connect them. And the other thing is that um, in this ministry at Bethlehem Baptist Church, we have been able to connect with I don't know, I'd, I'd say maybe 10 churches in our area that we now share resources. We now, we now share. And so that whole connective thing around, just not in, you know, <laughs> Samaria, but throughout the world. So the story you just said and the, the events that you've talked about sounds like an incredible and yet difficult road um, because it can be hard to, you know, step outside of our own comfort zones to look at different things and different lenses. Um, but I also find it so valuable and it, um, it just makes me admire you as pastors, as a pastor and a deacon, because sometimes, you know, church leadership gets so entangled in its own bubble that it doesn't look outside of its, you know, the church doors. Um, and the fact that you're willing to do that um, is empowering and it just it just puts me in awe. So my question for you is um, to expand just a little bit more. You touched on it briefly, but the um, the short term mission trips that you have been a part of, um, how were they helping to expand those lenses um, for your role as pastor and for your role as a deacon? Well, I don't know if you've ever seen um, the, uh, I think it's a documentary where it says when, when, uh, when God left the building. And that's a documentary that talks about Eastman Kodak Company and the church. And uh, in how the church has um, kind of got out of step of the culture. And so, you know, and so one of the things that, um, that we we saw like when we were in Israel is you know they they were the marginalized of the marginalized they said that a, a number of times in that tour and uh, we uh, are three percent of the community that we're in as far as African Americans whereas the um, the Puerto Rican community is about fifty some percent but has no really leadership in that community. And so uh, from those types of things and from doing the tour from, um, I think when I was in Amsterdam, we had an uh, opportunity to meet a, a gentleman that had been um, in a country where he wasn't allowed to be a Christian. And so those types of things, you know, make you look at it broader and say, there's a different kind of way that we could do church. And so from those experiences, I start looking at um, 
how can we do church differently? How can we, and so in fact, we, we put in a $675,000 uh, <laughs> Lily grant, which we did not get, but how do we not only just feed the, the homeless, because we have a large um, drug population in our community and a lot of them, I think 80% of our clients are Latino men. And how can we uh, do things differently? How can we um, be in a community that really doesn't have any um, supermarkets? And so, uh, and it's a food desert and, and they're not eating healthy. And, and then we get COVID and we see how COVID has impacted all of uh, the communities and our community too. And how do we as the church step in and make a difference, be part of the solution in that. And so um, that's what some of those ideas came from, seeing God as broader, from seeing how people worked in Amsterdam with uh, women that are the other, or would be considered in our, our environment, and how we could also be broaden our, our ministry outside of the four walls of the church, you know, and that that uh, our beliefs, you know, in in United States, it feels like our beliefs are what would you say, um, like agreement or something. But what I saw in um, in other countries is that it's a more holistic God that people were living every day more holistically. And it wasn't a Sunday kind of thing, which we see more here. You know, we we're so privileged. I think we, as far as religion that we can worship, that we don't realize that we're not being holistic around our service of God. And I think for me, if I can add on, um, for me, uh, with the observation of, uh, to me, the, um, the, the uh, purity of commitment, the purity and simplicity of their worship services and, and spontaneity. I know in one of the uh, tours, uh, we, we were at a in a church service where uh, there was a young lady that had the ability to, uh, uh, was a musician and had the ability to not only write songs, but to have her songs uh, introduced into the worship service almost as, coming off the press, so to speak. Uh, and so the, the structural confines that we sometimes see in our worship services uh, were not there. And the other part of it for me was the, 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 uh, the observation of the different cultural cultures and the cultural differences uh, from country to country um, that also uh, allowed me to see in some cases where uh, you know, they were being persecuted, um, their freedom uh, of, and ability to worship freely was being challenged. It just said to, said to me that there is a need for bridge building, uh, and the bridge building uh, can exist not just simply by, on an international level, but it can also exist within the communities within which we exist. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Minister Nicole, we have been truly blessed um, so far. And I know we have a couple more questions to our conversations, but I just wanted to pause 
um, to acknowledge that bridge building and the ministry, the couple, the intentionality that you have, that you share with us, Pastor Paula and Deacon Harrelton of um, serving together and your role and um, God's anointing, truly. Um, yeah. What do you think, Minister Nicole? Oh, I 100% agree. Um, you guys complement each other so well. Um, and it's so wonderful to see um, that you are pushing each other, but yet supporting each other at the same time. Um, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful way to have a relationship um, with within church leadership, but then also it seems like you also have it in your personal lives, which is just, it's just wonderful to see. Um, and I, and we do hope and that as listeners, you know, across the globe um, might be stretched by the concept and by what you have shared that um, it is a, it is a model that they would be willing to to ponder, discern, and invite God into it. So with that in mind, there might be some listeners who are really timid out there in entering and stepping into cross-cultural global short-term mission. What would, you, what would you say to them? How would you encourage them? Well, <laughs> I think that uh, my encouragement would be that they should try it at least once. Because I think that um, you don't know what you don't know. And I think that um, as we know that any experience really has a more of an impact than someone telling you. And I think the, the experiential part of the short-term uh, mission is so powerful. And I would tell them to go and to listen and learn not to go to think they're going to fix it, but to listen and learn. And so that's what I would tell them. And I would tell them that they would have to, you know, do as much play, praying as planning to, to really pray and pray um, with people and for people and to continue to pray for those people as they go. and. And to recognize that when you go, the people, that the people need Jesus more than they need you. And so I think that you have to step out, back out of yourself and, uh, and, and just allow the Holy Spirit to, um, to work with you. I, the, the thing that was so powerful, I have to go back to the Israel trip that I, uh, the virtual Israel trip, and and that was while they were in a, in a war was going on, and the thing that was so powerful for me is they kept on asking this identity question. That's the way I saw it: of who am I, you know, in this situation? Who am I? Why does God have me in this situation? And they kept on coming out saying that they were the light, you know, they were going, had to be the, they couldn't take sides, but they, they had to be the light, God's light in that situation. And, and that was so powerful for me because after going to Amsterdam and being in, um, I worked, I, I did an intern in a teenage prison um, to a locked facility, I should say, the, the whole question that you're always asking yourself is who am I in this situation for God? So it's identity 
thing that um, I think is so powerful that you experience when you go into these short-term mission trips that you have to keep asking yourself, who am I in this? What is God? Why is God sending me here? What is it that I am supposed to do? You know, I'm, I'm not here to fix it. I'm not here to make all kinds of suggestions. I'm just here to experience this and allow God to use me the way that he would. So, and I would say, excuse me, sorry. I would say ditto uh, really uh, to uh, uh, what Paula was saying. And the other part of it to me is uh, that I would say is that um, uh, as Christians, sometimes we have to step outside our comfort zone. Um, we have to look at making ourselves available to be used by God to make a difference. And the only way we can do that uh, in my mind really is, is when we step out and step out on faith and, and stepping out on faith isn't just stepping out in the, in the local churches. I think it's stepping out uh, on a global basis. And, and, and I mentioned bridge building earlier. I really believe that God will use us to build bridges across cultures uh, and across countries uh, as well as within our own local communities. Uh, if we continue to make ourselves available to him. So it's really stepping out on faith uh, and taking the risk. Um, as Paula said, if you, um, if you don't go, then you don't experience it. And, and without having the experience, you'll never know what the possibilities are. And so um, for us, um, you know, over the years, we've been able to, to step out on, 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 on numerous occasions. We've taken some risk uh and god has has blessed us uh and rewarded us for that that um i really believe that it's been because of some of the risk taking that we've done uh that we've been able to live the life that we've lived thus far uh and that god still has more work for us to do i'm kind of moving into the second chapter so to speak of my life and uh i just see all kinds of possibilities in front of me amen 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 well, we thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and we have one final question for you. Um, and that is, what is one word you would leave with our listeners today? I think the word for me would be open. Mm. I think that when you are doing work, this work that God has, um, one of my great songs that uh, is make me a servant make me a servant humble and meek and uh to just be open to what god puts before you be open god opens doors and you know be open to step in you know uh if if sandra hadn't uh said to me, you know, I think you should go on one of these trips, you know, and if, if God didn't, if I hadn't been open and came up with all excuses, I would have never experienced, had the great experience that I've had on the short-term mission uh, trips. I would not have been able to share. I would not have understood the, uh, the, the need a broader need 
I should say. I would I would not, and I would not have been able to see how our God works in a broader perspective. And um and how excellent he is. And so for me, I guess I'm going to stretch it just a little bit and say God's will. Uh, and, and, and God's will from the vantage point of, of being an instrument of his will uh, and also uh, living in his will, being open to his guidance. Uh, and, and, and therefore, uh, if we can allow ourselves to be instruments of God's will, there's no... Um, restrictions to the change and the possibilities of impact that we can have going forward. Thank you so much for blessing us today. Not just with the final words of encouragement that you've given our listeners and you've given both of us, um, but sharing your stories. And that's what God is asking of us. You know, how do we share our testimonies and um, all that God imparts and God opens the possibilities as well. So listeners, we thank you again for having joined us today, Bridges for Mission with the Alexanders, and we bid you goodbye until next time. We thank you for listening to Bridges for Mission. You can find more information about the short-term mission office at internationalministries.org. Also, don't forget to get a hold of the New Leader's Guide entitled Short-Term Mission Team Essentials Together on the Journey. Uh, you can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Book Baby, and that we are so glad that you joined us today. So thank you for all the subscribers and from listening from all continents. Thank you and have a good one. <laughs>